I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, we're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode 295. Paul and Jake from US pop band Laney are our guests on the pod today. We're wrapping up our month of extra episodes with their huge record, A Beautiful Blur. It's an absolutely stunning record and a triumph for the guys. Honestly, if they need an Australian member of the band, I'm happy to join. We discuss some of my favorite things in today's episode, like the movie That Thing You Do and John Mayer. It is a special episode. Before we get to all of the fun, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast app that you use, and ensure that you follow us across all of our socials. Details for everything can be found within the show notes of today's episode. Our guest today is Lainey. The US pop band formed in Nashville in 2014 and basically have been killing it ever since. They originally uploaded two tracks onto SoundCloud to showcase their music and they had labels hunting them down within a week or two. Over the past nine years, they've supported the likes of Troy Sivan, Halsey and John Mayer, and they've collaborated with artists like Lauv and Julia Michaels. Today, they've released their fifth studio record, which is titled A Beautiful Blur. It's a stunning collection of indie pop songs that move away from the electronic sounds of their last record. These songs were designed to be played in arenas and stadiums, and they very much sound like they should be. In today's episode, we're chatting to band members Paul Klein and Jake Goss about this record and the inspiration behind some of their songs. We discuss artists that inspired this record sound and we compare our favourite Dashboard Confessional songs, which is not anything I had planned uh, for the episode. We also talk to the duo about their recent Australian tour and whether we can expect a full band tour back here anytime soon. A Beautiful Blur is out right now, and we've left links in the show notes so that you can go ahead and buy the record. We also want to say a massive thank you to Millie from Positive Feedback for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Lainey. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, Paul and Jake from Laney. Gentlemen, hello. How are we? What's up? (laughs) Doing great. Look, very glad to hear that. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, I believe, where you are. I know that you're both very busy gentlemen at the moment, so I do appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Look, I very much appreciate you both being here. There is a brand new Laney album coming out. It's out today. It is called A Beautiful Blur. Um, first thing, congratulations on this record. How are you feeling with this this album out right now? 
It feels great. We've been working on it so long. It's probably the officially the longest we've ever worked on an album. Uh, I think we wrote the first song, Double XL, for it in December of 2021. And here we are in September of 2023. So a lot of love, a lot of time, a lot of attention to every detail has gone into it. So hopefully people appreciate that. It's such a joy for me to listen to it. I know it is for Paul. So it's so fun thinking about other people listening to it and having their own experience with it. 100%. Um, I know this is the fifth record from from you guys. Do you, is there still nerves about how music's going to be received? I guess so. I mean, you always want people to like it. But I think recently I've just been trying to define like certain goals and expectations for myself and our band. And really when I break it all down, I just want the album or the tour to do well enough that we get to make another one. Does that make sense? Like, I just want to, <laughs> I, I just want to be able to make another one after this, and then when we make the next one, I, I want to be able to make another one. So, that's it. You know, you can't, you can't really do anything about whether people like it or not. You just do your best and cross your fingers. Look, having uh, we were very kind. Um, you sent across a, a listen of the record uh, before today, and I have to say, having listened to it a few times now. I don't think there's going to be any issue with you guys making another few records off the back of this. It is a gorgeous record. Appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you, Simon. You're a good man. No, look, please. I'm just one man, but I'm sure that my opinion is not a lot, uh, like I'm not singular in that opinion. Um, This is a gorgeous record. Sonically, it does shift a little bit from the previous record, GGBBXX. Um, This is a little bit more of a... I want to say like stadium rock, but it's not rock. It's more so like your kind of sing-along anthem kind of record, whether it be a ballad or or an upbeat Mm. track. What initially brought upon the change from that previous record? Well, Gigi was really kind of made as like a, a rebellion towards the previous album, which was Mama's Boy, which was like very melancholic, very organic in its soundscape. It was the first time we'd ever used an acoustic guitar on a Laney song ever on our third <laughs> album, which is hilarious. And then Gigi was kind of like the antithesis of that. Everything was done on a laptop. And um, so I think working on a beautiful blur, honestly, I just kind of, we just didn't really reference anything before necessarily. It wasn't like, okay, what is this compared to the previous works? I think really what it is, it's a combination of maybe the best parts of what we've learned along the way in the studio and how we kind of craft songs. But then we try to like just a lot of new stuff. We let the songs kind of speak to us and we were open to where they might want to go. If that makes sense, we, we, we weren't in a rush to finish. We weren't in a rush to figure it out. It was every day was a new discovery and it, it, it was really fun. I think Jake would probably say this, and, and but you know we we know who our favorite bands are, but this album we kind of tried to dig into like why are they and what were they doing and what can we learn from them, sort of thing. One hundred percent. I what did I read? I read some article in um, in promotion of the record. I think touching on some of the bands that you guys listened to in your adolescence kind of inspired this record. I think that um, I could be very wrong. I think we might be around the same age range, I'm going to say 87 babies, 86 babies, close. 
I'm 88, but yeah. Oh, oh. I'm an 87. Oh, 87. I'm 87, Simon. This yeah. is me and you, baby. <laughs> Love that. Um, I <laughs> want to touch on, I guess, some of those influences because I think there's, having listened to Lainey for the previous few records, the influences that you guys kind of carry and, and wear on your sleeve, I think is incredible. And for this one, I think it was, who was it? There was The Killers, U2. I think there was some, um, some I want to say the, the original emo, not so much like The Black and The Fringes, but the like Dashboard Confessional and Yellow Card as well, that they were kind of influences as well. Absolutely. Firstly, love that. As a big Dashboard fan, I do, I do have to quickly ask, Favorite track from either of you for Dashboard? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> okay, my first Dashboard song obviously was Vindicated. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like from the Spider Man soundtrack, I think. Um, but, you know, it goes back to even, this is hilarious to say, but like stores like Hollister actually were so dope back in the day because they were putting kids on to like incredible music Mm. dashboard the starting line uh yellow card like you mentioned um and then it became like how could like in like in middle school and high school it began like how could we find the most niche emo bands like that so there's like secondhand serenade and (laughs) and so um totally and i <clears throat> that was like obviously like Blink 182. Even though our songs don't sound like them, I think they have a similar spirit and like a similar kind of emotion and earnestness and like purity and innocence a little bit too. How are you like a deep fan of Dashboard, Simon? Uh, semi. I know the, the deep cuts, but I, it, if you name like an obscure EP, I might just nod and be like, hmm, hmm. Do you know C- Carry This Picture? Oh, no. Okay, so... Um, one of my favorite drummers, like, growing up is Mike Marsh, who was the mm-hmm. early drummer for Dashboard. I thought he was just so creative and so explosive for, like, that genre. He was, like, really, really loose, but, like, kind of felt like someone who's like, came from, like, jazz background. Oh, sick. And he does, he does like a switch on the groove on that song. He's like playing six, eight, but then he goes to four, four and it just like blew my mind. So that's one of my favorite songs because Mike Marsh is just like one of the greatest drummers ever. I absolutely love that. That's giving me something to listen to, uh, later this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very looking forward to that. Let's do it. Um, with, I guess with that in mind and having those different influences and I guess writing almost not different genres, these songs are still very much Laney. And as you said before, like they are got similar spirits. There's a certain nostalgia while still being fresh and something new to all the, these songs. Does the songwriting process ever change when you're having to consider other sonic kind of considerations or different genres, if you will? <clears throat> I think we like to simplify in the very beginning uh, songs. We like to leave them almost skeletal. So it's like a piano vocal or a guitar vocal. And then we then like color inside or outside of the lines. But if that like we fill it in and we kind of pack the muscle onto the the skeleton. And, you know, I think one thing that's that I'm really proud of that, you know, we've worked hard to is we've been able to stretch the sound of Laney to cover a lot of ground without losing what makes Laney, Laney, and that's a, it's a, you know, it's a hard thing to do. But you know, like a song like Double XL is, 
not not anywhere near the soundscape of I love you so bad stripped but for some reason and but in, in, in a miraculous way we've been able to still make both of those very laney I think we do that on this album a lot we see how far we can take our sound while still staying true to like who we are 100% the um what was it there's a track on the record which I thought was almost a brilliant kind of encapsulation of what to me, like Laney does and, and is this combination of very vulnerable lyrics, which I kind of want to touch on in a little bit as well, um, but sonically is just gorgeous and incredible. It was um, It Even Rains in L.A. Oh, oh cool. Oh, when, the, when the chorus kicks in on that song, I was wearing headphones similar, um, similar to yours, Jake, and it was just... Uh, I honestly like had to stop what I was doing and just like stare at the wall listening to... <laughs> The different layers of that was just incredible. Um, I was wondering if I might be a little bit selfish, if I could ask the inspiration behind that track and I guess how that track was built and came to be. Oh, that is that is so cool to hear. I can't, also can't wait to tell our producer just because, yeah, that the chorus hits and it just jumps mm. off the page. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, when we, were, when we were diving into that, which I wish you could A, B the demo to where it ended up, it's just wildly different. Um, we, uh, we're listening to, uh, every breath you take. Yeah. By sting. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Listen to that kind of tempo, the kind of musicality to that, the instruments that were happening. We kind of like, we're listening to a lot of that and the Chili Peppers mm-hmm. and just kind of combined those two things. It's like a lot of beauty with a little eeriness to it, but then just the chorus just slaps. And that was just really fun to experiment with. Yeah, we, um, I remember when we were working on that song, it was one of the last songs that we put together in the studio. And there was a little bit of exhaustion on my part. I was just like, not that I didn't care, but I was like, let's just like, let's just go with whatever our initial instinct and gut is. And let's just, let's just try some stuff. Who cares? You know, like I, it was very like kind of that and listening back to it. I remember I was like, I don't recognize myself or us on this song, but in like the best way, I was like, we have officially stretched this sound further than I ever imagined. And, um, it, it will be interesting to see how people receive that song, but I'm so encouraged that like that was the one you pulled out. That's so cool. It's a stunning, stunning track, and I do very much look forward um, to the live kind of debut of that track because I imagine that one's also mm-hmm. going to, in, an, in a live setting, kind of explode as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Simon. I love that. No, of course. Thank you for um, making such a gorgeous record. <laughs> With... Uh, <laughs> I guess touching on lyrics, um, I wanted to know, because Lainey has always been very honest, very vulnerable kind of lyric writing, hard on your sleeve and kind of unabashedly so, which I love. Um, Was that always 
your songwriting style? Was that something that kind of came over time that you learned or was it just kind of out of the gate you knew that there was a certain quality to, to, to being able to um, express yourself in just such a direct way? Well, I think like growing up, the music that I gravitated towards the most was kind of the stuff that I could understand. Like I didn't have to decode what was being sung about really. And that's the stuff that I grew up on. I remember though early on maybe just like saying it even more plainly than people had done previously and feeling like that was kind of quirky and fresh. I I, I hadn't heard people use the words like kinda, you know, or hella obsessed with your face. It was very conversational. And I thought maybe that was something that maybe set us apart in the beginning. Um, and also in the beginning, that was what we were praised for and also completely torn apart for, which is interesting. Um, but we've just stayed true to that. Cause I don't really know, you know, like, um, I wish I can tell that Bon Iver, for instance, writes based off of like syllables and the way words touch each other just in the sentence and not necessarily through a narrative. And that's so cool. I, I don't know how to do that. It's not really true to who I am, um, but that's awesome. And uh, so it's just kind of what we do. It's been really dope, actually, though, and to see as even more recent, like culturally, the importance of lyrics and how people are just really starting to appreciate them. I see Olivia behind you, but there's someone who also like understands that and um, and and is like definitely um, respected and honored for it. So it's a cool, honestly, kind of shift in recent culture that is awesome. And yeah. I think that there is an element of when you've got lyrics that are so direct, it almost, you, and this is not to insult any kind of listener's intelligence or anything else, but even for your your most, um, oh, what's the word? How do I say this kindly? Your most like um, highest IQ critic, let's say. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There is something that is gorgeous about something that just speaks directly to you that you don't have to kind of like, wade through metaphors to understand and connect with. And I think that is part of the power of Laney, the fact that you're able to, like with this record, Double uh, XL, which opens the record, it is you get the heart of it immediately and it kind of hits you immediately instead of, you mm. know, searching for those kind of different pieces of information or metaphors that might have not... not um, I think, yeah, I think they're just something, there is something powerful in that and so I commend you both for kind of continuing that. I would love to know, um, I guess, beginning with you, Paul, your introduction to songwriting or like making music when you were younger. Yeah, my mom just kind of pulled me aside one day when I was five years old. I was like, we're starting piano lessons next week. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, do we even have a piano? <laughs> so, I, so I just began classical training right then. I was classically trained for about 13 years. My, my granny was in a nursing home all of my life, and uh, around middle school, um, I started studying jazz. And um, sounds funny, but I would go and get paid to play at nursing homes, um, and I would just play jazz for like an hour. And so I think that's when I really started to fall in love with music is because I didn't wasn't a huge fan of classical. I just didn't have a choice. It was just part of my training. But it was like the jazz and the improv side and then starting to like really fall in love with, you know, John Mayer was like a huge deal for me growing up. I just um, 
devoured his catalog, was obsessed with his songwriting and, you know, would do anything to be able to play guitar like him. But um, I learned so much about guitar and notes and things like that and chords and stuff from his playing. And so I think that's where I started just really falling in love with music. That's awesome. Jake, what about you? I had a, I had a similar start where my mom put me in piano and then I just super quit. I just, I think I kept falling asleep on the way to lessons. And so, <laughs> sorry, mom, but which is funny because full circle before I went to college, I needed to pass like a piano efficiency test. So when I was a senior in high school, I went to get lessons again in piano and I had a recital with my teacher's class and I was 18 and everyone else's was about nine and under. And so I was literally, I was literally Will Ferrell in Elf when he's just like the giant guy on a small, I was like in the small stool sitting, but just like nine year olds next to me, just crushing me. Cause they're so good. Um, so that was funny. But, uh, I saw the movie that thing you do when I was 11 and I thought, Whoa, those guys are cool. I want a drum set. So I asked my parents and they got me a drum set. And pretty much since I was 11, I've just been obsessed with music and drums. And growing up in Arkansas, I met my best friends, and we started a band together. And we just obsessed over bands like U2, Chili Peppers, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, just kind of dove all in. And I just love, like, the camaraderie and the excitement of, like, a band of brothers, just, like, with the same goal to make amazing music and go play awesome shows. And that was my beginning. That's incredible. I love both of those stories and I think look I'm not just saying this to be hyperbolic or because you're in front of me I don't think I've ever enjoyed an episode as much as this one simply because not only dashboard but um I haven't had anyone (laughs) reference John Mayer or that thing you do in a while both massive (laughs) loves of mine so please um next time you come to Australia let's grab some beers listen to some John Mayer we'll put that thing you do on yeah, <laughs> sounds amazing. You have the most ple- you have the most pleasing voice too. So talk to us anytime. That is very kind of you. Um, thank you. <laughs> I know that um, you guys were down here only very recently playing some acoustic shows. Kind of was it in prep for a world tour or like is that what the acoustic tour was? Um, it was like uh, kind of an album promo trip. We were um, doing. We got the opportunity to headline a couple festivals in Asia about a month ago, and we were like, well, if we're going to go all the way over to that side of the world, let's go ahead and make like a couple extra pit stops. So we started in in Australia, did a couple just kind of like, I don't know, like our fans mean a lot to us, and we want to always do things for them and, and, and kind of prioritize them. So honestly, I think we just played some free shows or maybe the tickets were like 10 bucks or something, but we did like a signing event. And uh, just kind of to talk about the album, but also just to touch base with the, the homies in Australia. And then uh, we went up to, to Asia and kind of did a similar thing um, where we played those festivals. And then we played intentionally small shows or smaller shows than we normally would to kind of like give uh, a different presentation of the music um, just in a different setting. We were just in Asia about... 11 or 10 months ago playing the biggest shows of our lives so to go back and play some of the smaller ones was a cool opportunity i love that i think on so across social media you could see that um the australian fans do absolutely love you guys i think that there was Mm. lines around the block to get into the venues or to get tickets it was um very well received from what i can see and so i'm glad to hear that that it went well 
I do. It seems silly not to ask. Can we expect maybe the um, the full band treatment for this record down here in Australia at some point? Oh, without a doubt, bro. Um, <laughs> you better believe it, Simon. Yes, yes. <laughs> believe like um, I know. Before we started uh, recording, I told you that the team's in my kitchen making the world tour graphic right now. <laughs> so um, Australia definitely will be a place that we stop. We've been there so many times. We love it. It's it's not somewhere we're ever going to stop coming to. It's we've we're in too deep with y'all at this point. So yeah. No, look, I'll. I'm glad that you are, and um, I know you mentioned before that there's there's an Australian in that team, so I'll make sure that he's kind of writing down all <laughs> his, his hometown as well. We won't dox any information, yeah. but make sure he's including where he is. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, uh, guys, usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to, if there's something at the moment that is kind of on high rotation for yourself. Um, Jake, do you want to go first on what, um, what you've got on high rotation? Oof. Actually, I was just listening to I love this song Think Fast by Dominic Fike from his new record. Mm-hmm. It's featuring Weezer on there. I just I love that song. That's a good one. Solid choice. That is a very good song. Great album as well. Yeah, real good. Yeah. Um, Paul, what about yourself? Okay, so last night I discovered a new artist. It's uh, Their name or their band is called Howdy, but it's H-O-V-V-D-Y. Mm-hmm. And... Um, let me just pull up really quick because this song is stunning. Um, sorry, stand by. <laughs> song's called Everything. Came out in 2022. That's a beautiful song. And then um, Dijon has a producer. The guy that produces and makes a lot of music with Dijon is a guy named McGee. And uh, he dropped two singles um, called Candy and something else that I have absolute candy and how many miles that I've ran into the ground over the last like <laughs> three or four weeks. So that'd be my suggestion. Look, all very solid picks. I absolutely love those. Um, what about you, Simon? Oh, um, I'm curious. I'm curious. I have to admit the new, uh, the new Mitski record. Cool. Okay. I haven't listened to yet. She's kind of gone away I haven't from either the the 80s pop of the last one and it's a little bit more folkier but still very mitski so indie pop folky but yeah worth checking out okay sweet beautiful thank <laughs> you sorry to interrupt had to know no 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 look i appreciate it. it's very kind that you asked me back we don't always get that so that i'm i'm <laughs> you're both very kind gentlemen for doing so <laughs> um paul and jake Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I do appreciate it. Congratulations on a beautiful blur, which is out right now. And we'll put all the links into the podcast show notes so that people can buy the record and stay up to date when some tour dates are possibly announced. But um, again, thank you coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. 